This is On the Line. From the capstone to the plains, in-depth coverage, opinions, and analysis of the most heated rivalry in all of sports. All things Alabama and Auburn are right here. Now, you're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law here with you on AU100, Kicks 96.3 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. The coaching search has come to an end. We are at the end of the road, and the Auburn Tigers have hired Boise State head coach Brian Harson earlier this week on Tuesday, just now getting around to our podcast for you all to hear it earlier in the week. If you are on demand on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, you got it before everybody else was hearing it on the radio. Once again, on AU100, Kicks 96.3, and Fox Sports Central Alabama here on your Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Jeremy, we are post-Christmas now. Merry Christmas to you. And uh, we're on the verge of a new year, 2021, right around the corner. New year, new Auburn head coach. New year, new Auburn head coach. Everybody's acting like 2021 isn't going to be identical to 2020. I, They're still telling you you got a mask. They're still telling you you got a social distance. They're still telling you. I mean, like, if you thought 2020 was bad, well, 2021 until probably at least June isn't going to change. So don't get your hopes up on January 2nd but or January 1st or January 2nd. But an exciting time, a lot of question marks from a lot of people about this hire. Some people love it. Um, I'm not sure how you can love it. I think that you can like it, but um, I also understand people saying, who, what, when, where? Um, I don't know. Like, it's not one of those, like, this is a surefire failure, but it's also not one of those, this is a surefire, this guy's going to compete with Kirby, Nick, and Jimbo every single year because we've always talked about this. It's the hardest job because of expectations versus what you have to compete with now, like adding Texas A&M to the SEC only made Auburn's job harder, especially since they've had Jimbo Fisher. I, I like the guy, I like the offense he runs. I think that he's a good coach, but he's also been at the only group of five, the group of five team that people actually care about west of the Mississippi. And to me, like, I don't think it's a bad hire. I don't think it's a great hire. I think it's a good hire. And I think that since his buyout was only $250,000, Alan Green could go hire somebody that he wanted to hire. And if it doesn't work out, you're really not going to pay this guy a lot of money. And the scenario of backloading cash to hire somebody bigger in two or three years, if it doesn't work out, it's sitting right there on the table, right there on the table. Well, I love what you said there about Alan Green, because this is definitely an Alan Green hire. I think the downside for that for Alan Green is, look, we all read about and we don't know 100% what the truth is about what all occurred during this coaching surge, but it definitely looked like politics, that, that, that nasty word had its fingerprints all over this coaching surge. And so if this is truly Alan Green's guy, this is his first hire as athletic director at Auburn. If he gets it wrong, people yeah. at Auburn – they didn't put up with Jay Jacobs. They didn't. That did. That lasted longer than I thought it would. Right. And so, Alan Green. There's a lot of pressure here on this hire. I'm glad that he got his guy. After everything that we've learned about this coaching search, I'm glad that Alan Green got his guy. Surprise, though. My initial response to this was just like everybody else's. Who? 
mainly because I remember Brian Harson from his Arkansas State year. He only had one year at Arkansas State, and then the rest he's been at Boise State. But Boise State is out of the Southeast sphere. It, it, we don't watch Mountain West Conference television because it goes on CBS Sports Network a lot of times. Yeah. That's the channel that carries all of their ball games. It's always on in, in the late evenings because they're out there in Mountain and then Pacific time as well. So they, they're playing football later than everybody else. And we just don't watch it. So I've uh, largely Brian Harson has become an afterthought. But in his stead at Boise State, across the seven years he's been there, he's won three or four Mountain West Conference championships. The other three or four years, he has been in the Mountain West Conference championship but lost it. So the guy's a winner. He really doesn't do less than 10 wins per year. It's kind of hard to at Boise State, right? Yeah. He has won. That is what's great about him. He kind of reminds me a lot of Chris Peterson, the guy who was there before him, right? And so there's upside here, but you're also questioning some of the credentials considering where he's coming from. Well, uh, I question two things. Number one, if Alan Green really got his guy, there is we cannot sit here and act like Brian Harson was one, two, or three on the list that anybody at Auburn wanted, including Alan Green. That's, it could have been on that, Alan Green's list. Well, if that if he is, he, then he's the most realistic person in Auburn history because I would, because the other guys on their list were unrealistic. I mean, you're talking about swinging and missing on 10, not Alan Green, the boosters, swinging and missing on 10 guys or so. But I'm not sure if this is Alan Green's guy. Alan Green once he didn't do what the boosters at Auburn said, he was stuck with finding university money to buy somebody out. You have this guy, okay? I'm not against this guy. I don't think he's going to do terribly, but you also have to look at Chris Peterson, leaves Boise, goes to Washington, goes to a college football playoff, one in the Pac-12. After that, Eh, he's no longer coaching. He hated coaching is the reason why he said he quit. But he also had a horrible year. They went seven and five. It this to me, this is like this Napier and Drinkwitz and a lot of these other guys, they had so much more like competition in in the South inside of their conferences. And you know, they've he's got ten, he's got ten losses of ten or more points at Boise. And that is, I'm telling you, it is the premier. Group of five job west of the yep. Mississippi, guys that don't go to USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, they rather go to Boise yep. than play at Washington State or Cal if they don't, you know, if they're grades or tweeners. Like, I don't know, Noah. Like to me, this this screams Gus all over again. I follow so many people that have a lot of matrices. Right, this isn't me saying this. It's all these guys with analytics and analytics that can look at what Gus did at Auburn versus what this guy's done at Boise State and you take in strength of record and opponents and everything else and how it transitions over and they have him at about a 68% winning percentage in big time football versus his almost um it's almost 90% at, at Boise State also Boise State in the history since they've become a power a, a big time college football contender they lead the the college football landscape in winning percentage all time. They are the number one winning percentage all time in college football. It's a place where you can go win and look like a genius, but you you also, you're not really, 
I, th- I think Napier is more impressive to me. I think what Billy Napier would be able to do in the Southeastern Conference with the inroads in recruiting, knowing the ins and outs, already having the relationships with all the big-time high schools in the, in the Southeast when he was at Alabama for four years, to me, he's, he's more impressive than this guy at Boise State. A lot to unpack here with Brian Harson. I'm trying to figure out where I want to go with this. I'll start with what you're saying about Boise. Boise is the Alabama of the Mountain West Conference. I hesitate to say Alabama of the group of five because they're not as dominant as they were early 2010s, late 2000s. They're just not. And granted, he's been the head coach during the time period where they haven't been as dominant as they were. Maybe the group of five C-level has just risen and several teams have come up with it, just like UCF, Cincinnati, and among other teams that have enjoyed a couple of years of success here and there that has made the group of five a little bit more competitive. But when you're taking this coach at Boise that is going to recruit better than every other team in his conference, and they don't really have to try that hard to get guys because he's walked into a program that already has national prestige. Chris Peterson blew up that program, not in a bad way. Like, I mean, he inflated it. Like, he made it great. I mean, the blue turf makes it attractive from a national perspective. I mean, there's just – there's something about Boise State that people just like because they're unique, right? You can go to the league. You can go to the league at Boise probably better than you can at Washington State. 100%. I mean, Leighton Vander Esch, one of those big-time guys that has came off of a Boise State roster. Jay Ajayi was another guy who had some success in the NFL. I mean, they've had some big-time players – go out of Boise State to the next level. So since we're getting into this, I'll say concerns first that I have with Harson, and then I'll talk about some of the things that I really like about the guy. Concerns, I don't know how it's going to translate. I don't know how being the big dog at Boise State and then taking a job at a place like Auburn where you're not the big dog in the SEC. In fact, right now in the last couple of years, you've been thrown around in the middle of a pack, but you're trying to get to be the big dog in the SEC. So now you've got to bring a chip on your shoulder, which it seems like he brings. He seems like a hard-nosed football coach. I, I like his persona and his attitude about things, but you just wonder how being the big dog at Boise State not having a lot of competition translates. And my second thing is recruiting, and you mentioned that with the inroads and everything. At Boise State, you don't have to work that hard to get your recruits. I know you're recruiting against some Pac-12 schools, and from what it looks like, he's had some success against these Pac-12 schools, but that's a different ball game than coming down to the Southeast where you're competing with Clemson, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, among other teams like middle-tier schools like Mississippi State well, and Ole Miss. There's only, there's, only, there's only one conference on that side, right? It, you you got to yeah. compete with 12 schools here. Man, you have Big 12. SEC, ACC, and a lot of these guys still go to Big Ten schools. We've seen guys go to Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin. I mean, we see people go to those. And then you're also dealing with the Cincinnati's, the Appalachian States, the Louisiana's, the South Alabama's, Troy. I mean, there is a lot. That All the it, Florida schools. Yes, it's slim pickings around here. Yep. And it really is. And, and less good players. Like out west, there's California. California has borderline an infinite amount of players to choose from out there and then Samoa, the Samoan players I mean right Hawaii as well I mean the, out there when you get exactly onto the west coast I'm talking about Washington and California Arizona to a degree and then Hawaii you can go and find guys 
and you really don't have as many schools competing for those. Whereas you go into the Southeast and you're like Florida and Georgia, are your two primary options for Southeastern recruiting pipelines. And in Florida alone, there's UCF, Florida, Florida State, Miami, um, trying to think of other schools. Florida Atlantic's came along in recent years. Not really FIU. UCF but you, I mean, gets players. Alone, there's like five schools, right? And then Georgia goes down there. Alabama goes down there. Auburn goes down there. Ole Miss, LSU, everybody goes into Florida, right? Florida's like the most plentiful recruiting state in the Southeast, but there's more there's more recruiters going into it per capita than there is at California. Yeah, and I also think so now it, when you don't have an elite recruiting head coach and you're not at Alabama or Georgia – now you have to fill your staff out with elite recruiters. But you also lose, Alabama learned this lesson, when you fill your staff out with elite recruiters, it's so hard to serve two masters, right? You're not going to be a great coach. Like Sal Sanceri is a great coach. He's not an elite recruiter. He'll be in the top 20 nationally. Like there's a re- Charles Huff, I'm sure he's a really good coach, but he's on Alabama staff because he's the number one recruiter in the country. Um, and you and you had guys like Billy Napier who were good recruiters, but great wide receiver coaches, great offensive coaches. Even Steve Sarkeesian is not a great recruiter, but you have a great coach to coach those players. So how does he fill out this staff knowing that it's just going to be such an uphill battle? No, I don't hate the hire. I mean, this is not an Alabama fan talk, I promise. It is Probably the best hire Auburn could have made under the parameters of the situation. Um, it is. I don't want to say most realistic because that sounds like I'm slapping Auburn down, but Cristobal, why would you go to Auburn right now? You haven't made. You haven't made. And you're talking about guys like Sarkeesian, Venables. Next year, you're talking about four of the top programs in college history could open up from a from a coaching standpoint. LSU can need a new coach. Tennessee, Texas, Michigan, USC. Clay Hilton's not going to make it. I mean, you're talking about some of those programs next year are going to open up. And for guys like Sark, um, Urban Meyer, Kiffin, Cristobal, um, Venables, like those, those guys are on the front of the lines for those guys. Why not make three and a half million dollars as a coordinator and go put yourself in position to take those before you just have an astronomical buyout at Auburn? Uh, Here's what I like about the Harson hire. I think the floor is still Gus Malzahn's floor. I don't think that it's going to be disastrous here. I think the guy I knows agree. how to win enough to where it's not going to get worse than what it was with Malzahn. And I cannot say the same thing about the other guys. Like, I think it could have gotten disastrous with Cristobal, Napier, Clark, Hugh Freeze, like Lane Kiffin for sure. I mean, I think all of those guys, the floor was lower than Malzahn. And Malzahn, from what we've learned about this week, has been dealing with people trying to undermine him. And then it's like amazing to me how he performed under those circumstances. Harson, from what it appears, Cole Kubelik tweeted this recently, said that from what he knows, it looks like he's got autonomy on hires for his staff, which tells me possibly, mostly probably, you never can't say for sure with Auburn, but mostly autonomy inside the program. That's even more pressure put on Alan Green because Alan Green cannot be wrong about this. At least it doesn't feel like he can be wrong about this. And so I like the hire from the perspective that they've got a hard-nosed guy and he knows how to win and his floor is not lower than Malzahn's. The question is, can he get you more than Malzahn? And so I look to his scheme at that point. I like how he's developed quarterbacks. Boise State's always had a good quarterback. Now, how much of that is who are they playing against? but he's a former quarterbacks coach, so I know he knows something about developing QBs. He's had good ones, Kellen Moore, Brett Ripien. 
He also knows how to develop running backs. Boise State, up until this year, had the longest running streak of an 1,000-yard rusher. They were right there with Auburn before Auburn dropped out two years ago in 2018. I like what I like the most is, and yes, they will get into the shotgun, and this is not a reversion to the pro-style offense for Auburn. Auburn is not going to end up back under center or anything, but he brings West Coast passing tendencies to an Auburn offense that desperately needs an intermediate passing game, a quick intermediate passing game, and the ability to throw to the tight end, and he's going to do both of those things. Auburn's passing game is not robust, West Coast passing systems are robust, and Auburn will finally, finally use their receivers the correct way. Yeah, you got to have some consistency in the passing game. I know uh, Schwartz ended up with like 600, 700 yards, but, I mean, one of those was 90 yards against LSU, the other one about 70 versus Tennessee. I mean, he's got 200 yards on two catches. You just didn't have any consistency in the passing game. The guy knows how to coach quarterbacks, we think. He uh, is a hard-nosed guy. My biggest worry about him is, when you have the big dog from another conference come in, um, he talks a lot at Boise. And Gus Malzahn put his foot in his mouth quite often at Auburn, beat Alabama, saying the trophy's never leaving. And then you kind of like everybody in this league, you have to keep – Gus Malzahn never kept the target off his back. Uh, you got – because you never would beat the dog crap out of Georgia. Like – no, don't like he never kept the target off his back. And if you're Auburn, like just slowly move into this thing. You're going to have a tough time recruiting this year, especially all the best talent is gone off the board. Roll in the next year. Take your six and six. That's probably what it's going to look like, especially you're going to struggle in the trenches next year. Build some momentum with a good staff, build some momentum in recruiting and come out in 2022 and, and put a good product on the field. I think he can put a quality product on the field. His floor is Gus Malzahn. His floor may be higher at Auburn than Napier's would have been. I think Napier's ceiling from a recruiting standpoint and from just a, you know the system that he runs, he has good quarterback play. Listen, he beat the number six team in the country. And a lot of Boise State fans, and they have a message board if you want to go look, they, were, they thought that Harson got soft. From the Chris Peterson days, now they're spoiled because Chris Peterson was one of the best coaches in college football for a decade. I mean, he, he really was. But this guy needs to move in, come in, keep the target off his back, recruit West Georgia very well, Atlanta to the Auburn line, get back in Mobile where Auburn, it seems like, they where have they been in Mobile for the last three or four years? Nowhere. Like That's always been the recipe. And then put a quality product on the field in 2022. And I think he can do that. I still don't know if it's enough because if he goes eight and four for three years and it's Alan Green's higher, Alan Green's gone, he's gone, and then who's running your program? The Yellowwood? <laughs> One thing on his coaching resume that's interesting to me, he does have a stop at Texas. Auburn made inroads in Texas this year with Chad Morris. I don't know if that that's probably not going to last because Chad Morris is probably going to be gone as well. But he at least has a stop in Texas so he's at least been near the southeast. Now he has not been to the deep south. Well, that's the southwest. I mean, come on. I mean, it is fair compared to us in our location. <laughs> it is the southwest. So he's at least been in this portion of the country. We'll see how that translates to it. On the other side of this break, we got speed round presented by the Brown Insurance Agency. Don't go anywhere.
You're listening to On the Line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. We'll be right back. You're on the line. Now, Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. Time for Speed Round presented by the Brown Insurance Agency. Life is coming at you fast, just like Speed Round. Make sure you and your family are in good hands by allowing Lance Brown to be a part of your team. He'll make sure that you understand your policy and that you're fully protected. Call Lance Brown Allstate at 334-758-0088 or visit at 3051 Frederick Road in Opelika. Jeremy Sam rules as always, two to three minutes on each of these five topics. You ready to go? Ready, man. Let's start it off. Number one here, should Notre Dame have made the college football playoff as the number four team? Yeah, and then they still deserved it over Ohio State. Um, if I'm Notre Dame, I, I'm mad that I got to play Alabama in the first round and not Clemson again. Ohio State did not deserve to get into the college football playoff, first of all. But you know, I don't care how bad Clemson beat Notre Dame. They still beat Clemson on the field once. And who has a better resume than that? Listen, Texas A&M could have gotten in, but did you really want to see an A&M Alabama matchup rematch in round one again? Because Alabama will win by maybe more points this go around against Texas A&M. I I think Notre Dame is still a, a joke when it comes to being in the playoff, but at some point the games have to matter. At some point you have to have best team and most deserving intertwined to figure out who your playoff team is going to be. And this year, I think Notre Dame was one of those teams. Like who my thing was who else were you going to put right there to get beat by Alabama? I'm upset with Florida that they lost to LSU because I think if you look at Florida and you say that they're a two-loss team after the SEC Championship game and you see how well yes. how well they played against Alabama. Florida right now, I still believe this right now. This is a hot take. If you're truly, if your only criteria is four best teams in the country, which they love to spout that nonsense, right? The college football playoff says, we we always take the four best teams in the country. No, you don't. You treat this like a ranking system. If somebody loses, you drop them with an anchor. You have to. Like, that but, that's, but isn't that how it should be? Like I would prefer to go back to the computers for well, this. But hey, my thing you know is what the computers you, say? The BCS poll was the top four. My thing is, Florida is going to give Alabama a better game in game two than Notre Dame is going to give Alabama, right? And so I I think if you're purely going off the eye test here, between me and you, like just if we're purely going off the eye test, I think you maybe even liked my tweet on this, Florida would have played Alabama better or proved that they would play Alabama better than Notre Dame proved because of how bad Notre Dame got beat by Clemson. I I don't think Notre Dame can score enough to keep up with Alabama. Nobody can. But with that being said, I understand the system that we're in, and it has to work like rankings. If somebody loses, you have to get dropped. I get that. I wasn't disagreeing with that ideology. I'm just saying don't spout the nonsense that you're taking the four best teams because I don't think the four best teams are in front of us. I really don't. That's interesting, though. I didn't know the BCS computers had that top four. Yep. I mean, it makes sense, though, because they have the fewest losses out of everybody, right? Yeah. And Florida's the B- got three losses. There's no way they're going to be up there. And one of those to a team that's not even remotely close to being in the top 25. So, Question number two here. Joel Klatt of Fox Sports was saying that under the current system, the group five has no path to the playoff. Well, you and I were saying that a couple of weeks ago when we saw Iowa State being ranked ahead of teams like Cincinnati by multiple spots. Do you agree or disagree with this statement? No path whatsoever to the playoff. 
Joe Clatt must subscribe on Apple Podcasts because we've been I, I, we have been talking about this for multiple years. We just now got a show, and they don't have a shot. They have no shot. They don't compete for the same things as as Alabama and Ohio State, Notre Dame and Clemson and Auburn and Florida and LSU and Texas A and M. Like they don't have a shot. They have no chance of ever getting it. They need their own championship game, and I think that it's not everybody well, gets a trophy. Step forward and said that they deserve to be considered. Now, what are your thoughts listen, on that? that dude, what would the Cincinnati Alabama score be? A lot worse than exactly Alabama Notre Dame, and that's why they don't need to be considered because it does like well, Coastal Carolina against Alabama. Come on, BYU against Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State for that matter. Even though Ohio State doesn't deserve to be there. They need their own, abide by the same rules as the Power Five, it's fine. They need their own championship game. How fun would it be? Like, we got that BYU-Coastal Carolina game. Cincinnati-Coastal Carolina, Group of Five national title game the day before the the national title. I guess it wouldn't be, be or the the Saturday before. Like, that would be awesome. Add this. What if the next year they have to open the season against one another, the two champions? Like the NBA used to, uh, didn't the NBA used to do that? Like they used to, those two teams? Well, in soccer, if you win the Champions League and the Europa League, you oh, play each other. You meant, you not, meant the really group matter. of five and power five champion play each other. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All on board. <laughs> There's no way to do that because schedules are baked in, you know, 10 years in advance. And if we've learned anything through coronavirus is that doesn't, that, that, that's all a bunch of crap. You could play somebody in three days. That's so true. That's so true. I would be down to watch that happen, but give it till next year, even though it's not the same team. So it may end up, you know, someone having an all senior team may get destroyed the next year, but the power five team's not going to hate that. That's going to create more incentive though. I think for some of those group of five teams to, build up their programs over a longer term than maybe just having these one-hit wonders. But I agree with everything that you're saying. Question number three here, who would get your Heisman Trophy vote? We've got all the games in here. Who would get your Heisman Trophy vote? Man, you got guys saying that Trevor Lawrence should win the Heisman. It's the bear off the uh, college game day because he helped get college football playing this year. Like, what does that have to do with Trevor Lawrence winning the Heisman? Listen, we all know Trevor Lawrence is a great player. And to me, it's like the college football playoff. It's got to be stats, what this person means to their team, and all that's intertwined, not just stats. And if I go not just off stats, I think Devontae Smith has been the best player in college football this year. I don't want Mac to win it. I think Devontae Smith is the best player in college football. And then after, and then you could start talking about Mac and and Trevor Lawrence, you know, back-to-back after that, and Kyle Trask in that category. I like Trevor Lawrence. I think he's great, but at some point, his stats weren't there. His team lost a game. Like, Devontae Smith is 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 just as much of a reason Alabama's undefeated as Clemson is, or Trevor Lawrence is at Clemson's back in the college football playoff. I'm not taking anything away from Matt Jones right now. You take Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith off that football team. Matt Jones is not as good as he is right now. So I agree with you. Devontae Smith, I think, is the most valuable player in that Alabama offense. Can we? Then st- I would probably say Mac Jones. Can but. we start naming the Heisman most valuable? Like, because I'm so tired. Of, it's, I feel MVP like it's award. just a quarterback award. And then what's the other one? The Maxwell. Like, it's the same award. All, you know what I'm saying? It's the same, it's the same award. Yeah. I don't understand. Question number four here. Outside of Alabama and Auburn, what bowl game gets your attention the most? Florida and Oklahoma is, oh, yeah. is going to be. 
I love defensive football games, but there's just something about sitting there while you're on vacation and you know there could be like a combined 120 points scored in the game. Um, the clock's going to stop a lot in completions. They're throwing the ball around the yard. To me, that game is just going to be the perfect game that day. It's just going to be perfect. Georgia and Cincinnati yep. outside of that Oklahoma Florida game is fun. I, the Oklahoma Florida game is going to be the funnest, it's going to be one of the most fun games of bowl season. But number nine, Georgia, number eight, Cincinnati, you're talking about you love defensive games. That's going to be a defensive ball game. Now, it seems like Georgia has straightened out their offense a lot. The reason why this one gets my attention, though, is let's see if Cincinnati can prove that they deserve to be in the conversation, right? If Cincinnati beats Georgia, then I will change my tune. If Cincinnati beats Georgia, who may even be a two-loss SEC team, right? But if Cincinnati can beat Georgia, I will say, Yes, those guys should have been probably in there at least over Ohio State, right? Yeah, Georgia's not going to lose, though. I know we're not picking these games right now, but Georgia, since they put JT Daniels in, has flipped the switch. They really have. They're they're a better team. They're throwing the ball to George Pickens, which seemed like, why weren't they doing that before? Uh, They're a much better football team than they were when they beat Auburn and lost to Alabama. Like They're much better. Last question here. We're on to conference play in SEC basketball. You'll talk about Alabama. I'll talk about Auburn. Where do you feel about your respective team going into the conference slate? Alabama at five and three, Auburn at six and two. Alabama's two. Alabama maybe have played a tougher schedule. Yeah, Alabama's played a tough. They have played a tougher schedule, but Auburn's a better basketball team. I take back everything I said about Nate Oates, Brian Hodgson, Antoine Petway, John Petty, Jaden Shackelford, Bruner. Um, I, 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 I take it all back, Noah. They're bad. They're going to go two and three over their first five SEC games. You're going to be sitting at 500. Um, they're not a good team. I mean, if Nate Oates is having to bench a senior like John Petty, like uh, just because he can't get his act together, then just just kick him off the team. Um, to, I, I mean, it's embarrassing. It's hard to watch. I have ever at halftime of every game, I've turned it off and played Call of Duty. How does that? I mean, that's how I feel about Alabama. I can't watch it. It's, it's, it's not like. Now, it is almost more unwatchable than what they were doing with Avery Johnson because now they're just jacking up threes and they can't make, at least under Avery, they were driving to the rack and trying to go to the free throw line and they sucked then. Now we're just shooting a bunch of threes and we can't make anything. Here's how I feel about Auburn right now. They're definitely a lot further along than I thought they would be at this point. I, I thought Auburn was going to lose to UCF in game three. They ended up losing, but it was such an ugly performance. I said, oh, no. I thought that this team may have been packing it up at that point. I didn't know what this team had to play for this year. And then guess what? They've improved every single game. And what strikes me the most about this Auburn basketball team is how good the defense is this early in all of those guys' careers. They're all super long. This is one of the tallest Auburn basketball teams that I can remember. They've got height at pretty much every position. I don't remember the last time Auburn had a six foot six guard that was good and played a lot. And so when I look at this Auburn team, their length, their size, it's helping them defend the floor. Of course, I think the coronavirus restrictions right now are helping defenses out because it's easy to communicate in a silent gym almost, right? And so but then if you were at home, the, the the loud crowd is also going to help your defense. It's going to help your offense, too. So there's give and take here. Auburn's defense, it's going to improve. These guys are so young, but it's playing so well right now, and it's just going to get better over time. And the same can be said about the offense. The offense is going to improve, too. It's, it's kind of hit or miss right now. Sometimes they're playing really well. Sometimes they're not. I've been super impressed with ball movement for this young of a team. I think that there's a huge upside for this squad. 
And honestly, right now, if Auburn was not on a postseason ban, ban, which they could choose to take the postseason ban away, they won't because that would look horrible. The optics of that would be terrible. But if Auburn did, I think they could be upwards of a seven seed this year in the NCAA tournament, maybe even a six seed, depending. And now, granted, they play Arkansas soon. If they beat Arkansas, I'm looking at this team as, as a top four SEC team this year as their upside. I don't know if they'll reach that point, but this team definitely looks like they're a lot better than we originally anticipated, especially after the first three games. Bruce Pearl is coaching his tail off right now. Bruce Pearl is a better coach than Nate Oates right now can imagine being. And um, I don't know what it is about Alabama basketball. I feel like Nate Oates could get fired and go to a different school and have great success. Program's cursed. We've sold our souls for football. I'm okay with that. Um, Look, I mean, when you look at, when you sell your soul for basketball, this is what you get on the points. On the other side of this break, we've got game predictions. It'll be bowl season here, but that does it for Speed Round. Brought to you by the Brown Insurance Agency. Life is coming at you fast, just like Speed Round. Make sure you and your family are in good hands by allowing Lance Brown to be a part of your team. He'll make sure that you understand your policy and that you're fully protected. Call Lance Brown Allstate at 334-758-0088 or visit at 3051 Frederick Road in Opelika. You're listening to On the Line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. We'll be right back. This is On the Line. Wrapping up On the Line here on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, or on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on AU100, Kicks 96.3, and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Game predictions, bowl season time. I fell behind. I did one game worse than you last week. I was wrong with Iowa State, but I did tell you going into that game that I thought Oklahoma was going to win. I was just riding with my guys, the Cyclones, and they made it close. They've at least proven they belong. I'm, I'm still so impressed with Matt Campbell, but I'm at 90 and 37 overall. You're at 92 and 35, and we've got a nice slate of bowl games, a lot of them. Let's count them up. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 bowl games here of the 20 remaining ones that we're going to pick right here. We left off that Wake Forest Wisconsin game for everybody. Nobody wants to watch that. You ready to go? I am ready to go quickly. Regular season champion. I'm proud of that. Lastly, uh, before we pick, would you have still rather had Matt Campbell? I think they're. I think they're similar. I think heart. Oh man, that's hard. Right. Mm, it's a tough one. I still think Matt Campbell. Um. Uh. What's it? Allen Napier and those guys still should have been there. They there should have been higher on the list. I think Tom Allen's. He's an Indiana uh, Tom guy. Allen's buyout was too astronomical <laughs> to justify hiring the Indiana head coach. Man, that's tough. I think I would rather have Harson over Matt Campbell. That says a lot. That says a lot. You've been on too many message boards to believe that. You got to realize the only people posted <laughs> on your message boards are people that think like you. I don't get on the message boards. Uh-oh. I stay away from that toxic location. I'm the only Alabama fan that you follow. Everybody that you follow on Twitter thinks like you. That is fair. That is fair. Twitter, uh, you do give me my my dose of medicine that I need to balance out. That is so fair. That is true. All right, here we go. FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl, Liberty versus number 12, Coastal Carolina. 
I still think Coastal's a better team. They'll they'll win this game. It's amazing what Hugh Freeze is doing at Liberty. Um, people, as we're recording this, people are saying, "Watch out, Jeremy Pruitt." Like it almost felt like when when right before Auburn made their hire, there were reports that they had called. I guess they called Freeze to put pressure on this guy at Boise. Um, and then Tennessee fans were freaking out, like, "Do we got to fire Pruitt now? If we're ever going to get Hugh Freeze?" Um, I, what he's done there is amazing at Liberty. He won't be there long, but Coastal's just a better team. Coastal's win over BYU resonates more with me than Liberty's wins over Virginia Tech, and they lost by one to NC State. They beat Virginia Tech and Syracuse. Coastal's win over BYU resonates more with me, so when I'm looking at the body of work and you don't get to watch these two teams a lot, I still stand with Coastal on this one. Better team. I think they're going to win the ballgame as well. Cheese it ball, number 21, Oklahoma State versus number 18, Miami. Man, I, I just watched Miami get done wrong. Yeah, <laughs> give me the boys. I think so too. And the thing that strikes me most about Miami here is when they've played good teams, they have gotten destroyed. Mm-hmm. And the offense does not look good in the process. Defense looked horrible against North Carolina, giving up, you know, over 60 points. And Miami oozes rushing yards, like over 180 per game. And Oklahoma State's going to put the ball on the ground mm-hmm. and gonna and they're going to be balanced. I think this fits. Oklahoma State's defense good enough to give Miami problems. I like the Cowboys as well. Valero Alamo Bowl, number 20, Texas versus Colorado. This feels like a really important game for Tom Herman. But it's because none of the great coaches have been hired yet. Like you can still make a move after this game. Early signing day, you've already gotten at least half of your class done. I still, I think this is a major, major game for Tom Herman, and he always feels like he loses these. Colorado, too bad, though. Texas is winning this game. Colorado was a surprise this year in the Pac-12. Yeah. They've only got one loss, and for a while they were undefeated and sitting there at like 20, and they weren't getting any respect. And granted, they were probably ranked right around where they needed to be. The difference here is Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger comes to play in these games. He always feels like he's a great quarterback in college football, and he's probably not getting that much NFL draft traction right now. He always feels like he plays above his weight class. Too many so, too many turnovers, and that's always what's kind of hampered him. Yeah. I like Ellinger in Texas. I think that's the big difference here is the offensive caliber of Texas versus Colorado. It should be a fun one, though. The Alamo Bowl always is a fun bowl game between kind of a typically two middle-of-the-pack to above-average Pac-12 and uh, Big 12 schools. Trans-perfect Music City Bowl, number 15, Iowa versus Missouri. I was shocked when I was making my bowl picks on ESPN to see over 90% of the country. Now, that may have shifted since bowl season started, but at the time I was making picks on Sunday night, over 90% of the country was taking Iowa to beat Missouri in this game. I was shocked to see that it was that split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree with you. Are you among the 90%? Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, As am I. I, I like I mean, Iowa to win this you gotta game. You got to be. When the public is not, the public's really wrong. The betting lines are also very rarely wrong unless you get in like three and a half, four points. This right? one's like 14 points to yeah. Iowa. I'm right there. I'm right there at it. And Ferentz, still one of the best coaches in college football. The Iowa man. Neither of these teams have really beaten anybody good, but defense is the difference here. Yeah. And Iowa's got a lot of it. So I'll take Iowa to win that game as well. I think we've picked the exact same so far. Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Do we split here? Number seven, Florida versus number six, Oklahoma. 
I think Florida wins this game, man. Like I I like Spencer Rattler, but I tell you, Florida, I know they lost to LSU. So don't take this wrong. But there, I mean, I'm watching Spencer Rattler, Spencer Rattler struggle with Iowa State with a fully loaded, talented roster. Florida, what they're going to do to this Oklahoma defense, which did play better down the stretch of the year since they started 0-2 in Big 12 play, there's really no way to stop Kyle Trask and that Florida offense if they're not turning the ball over. Now, Alabama had a chance to force some turnovers, and they just didn't fall on four fumbles, and that game could have just been 70-27 to or something like that. But if they're not turning the ball over for Florida, man, they can score a lot of points on Oklahoma. So here's the question for you. Is Oklahoma's defense better or worse than Alabama's? Oh, I mean, come on. Right. And so, and Trask was able to put up 46 on Alabama. And a lot of that came, bulk of that came in the second half. But Trask is going to make more plays in this game than Rattler is. Rattler at times gets in his own way, whether it be a mistake here and there that maybe results in incompletion that gets a drive off track. Maybe it results in a turnover and gets a game off track. Simply put, Kyle Trask doesn't make mistakes that often at all. Like maybe sometimes never in a game. Like he just does not turn the ball over. He doesn't make mistakes. This guy went from game manager to elite passer and orchestrator of football, right? And, yeah. and Spencer Radler's not there yet. Doesn't mean he can't get there. He is still just a child. But one day he will get there and Oklahoma's offense will be as elite as ever. But Florida wins this game. Lockheed Martin, Armed Forces Bowl, number 24, Tulsa versus Mississippi State. Tulsa hung in there the other day, right? I mean, they did hanging in there. I don't know, like what motivation does maybe maybe I call Tulsa here. Maybe I really do. What motivation does Mississippi State have for this bowl game? All their players have opted out. Uh, yeah, I'll take Tulsa upset. This Mississippi State team had a tremendous victory against Missouri to wrap up the year. But when I when I look at these two teams on paper. And I'm trying to evaluate, you know, is Tulsa better than – has Tulsa competed and beaten teams better than Mississippi State has? That's a no when you look at the resume. But I think the big difference here is matchups. Matchups and bowl games mean the world. And Tulsa has been good against primary, primarily passing teams. SMU, they held to a limited amount of passing yards. Cincinnati, they performed pretty well with defensively. Those teams can throw the football – Mississippi State is very one-dimensional. If their passing game is limited, they, they're they going to have a hard time scoring. This one's one of my least comp- confident picks of bowl season, but I do take Tulsa in this one to pull an upset, and I think they're going to come ready to play. Mercari, Texas Bowl, Arkansas versus TCU. I like Arkansas. I do. I like Arkansas. I think this is a game that Sam Pittman's not going to take lightly. His quarterback, Felipe Franks, still has a lot to prove I like Arkansas. I like the way they played all year. Hard nose, hard fighting, in the trenches. Give it all you got 100% until until the clock hits zero in the fourth quarter. I like Arkansas. TCU's defense, super impressive to me when I look at them as well and what they were able to do in the Big 12 this year at 6-4. and four, Arkansas at 3-7. and seven, Spreads favoring TCU by 6. Vegas rarely wrong. Arkansas oozing yardage right now. I mean, you look at Arkansas's last four games and what they've done. Of course, two of them were against mediocre teams. Two of them were against great teams, but they gave up 63 to Florida, 52 to Alabama, 50 to Missouri, and 27 to LSU. The LSU loss is what jumps off the paper to me. If they couldn't beat LSU at the time that they were playing LSU, I kind of question whether or not they can beat TCU. 
I like this TCU team that has impressive wins this year. I mean, TCU has beaten Texas, and then they, they have another big win on their on their resume as well that for some reason is eluding me at the moment. So I'm about to go and find out. I think they beat Oklahoma State this year. Yes, they beat Oklahoma State two weeks ago. So they've beaten Oklahoma State and Texas, two top 25 wins. TCU very much so uh, a team flying under the radar going into bowl season. God's bowl game here, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, number nine, Georgia versus number eight, Cincinnati. Yeah, Georgia big. JT Daniels, what he's been able to do with his arm to transform this Georgia offense. The pressure is no longer on the offensive line in the running game. Also, not as much pressure on the defense to know that if they, if they give up 24 points, they could probably lose, which was probably that number that they were looking at with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. Georgia will out-physical Cincinnati, and they will win this game by 14 or more. I agree with all that. It's the defense for me for Georgia. And I think Cincinnati might be able to limit Georgia's offense just a tad, but it looks so different. So much more vivacious and so much more lively than it did in the middle of this season when it was Stetson Bennett at quarterback. It's amazing what a quarterback can do for you. Georgia's defense, though, is the main reason why I think they win this game. It is elite. Cincinnati is not an elite football team. They're going to have a hard time dealing with those athletes on that side of the ball. So Georgia wins this one. VRBO, Citrus Bowl, Auburn versus number 14, Northwestern. Mm, I don't know. Northwestern's defense impressed me versus Ohio State and Justin Fields, but they were missing a lot of guys. Also, in Justin Fields' two ball games against good teams, like he's very really struggled a lot and played some really poor football. I'm I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they're going to hang in there against Clemson if they do at all. I don't know. Like Auburn's in such a transition phase. Kevin Steele is going to coach this game. Ah, uh, man, it's going to be close. Just I'm going to take Auburn. Last time these two teams played, Auburn won on a field goal, I believe. Auburn's the better football team. I really do believe that. And I also think the matchups favor Auburn here. Northwestern gives up a lot of rushing yards. That's where their weakness is on defense. I think they give up a little bit over 160. Auburn loves to run the football. Tank Bigsby's going to be healthy. He's going to be fresh. I think that's going to help Auburn out on offense because when Auburn's able to run the ball effectively, they're able to throw the ball effectively. So Bo Nix is going to have some comfortable is going to be comfortable. The big question for me when I was picking this game, and I believe firmly if Gus Malzahn was head coach, Auburn wins this game, possibly by two touchdowns. Without Gus Malzahn, does the team come ready to play? They know they have a new head coach that they have to impress. So that's a factor in this. I'm glad Auburn made the hire before the bowl game, as if there was really a question about that. The other side of it is, how much is this coaching staff in it right now are they all in because a lot of these guys are probably going to be looking for jobs during this time period so that's the other side of this is Auburn all in they definitely definitely the matchups favor them I think the talent favors Auburn I'm picking Auburn hoping that the guys that the players are all in and bought in and are ready to play regardless of what the coaches are doing I'm hoping that the players are bought in and if the players are bought in they're going to win this game so I'm going to take Auburn in it too to beat Northwestern and in this chaotic year on really a high note and guess what happened the last time Auburn beat Northwestern in a bowl game? Oh, they what won happened? the national title the next year. Also, Alabama won that national title the year before. So, I I will take those. I will also celebrate in inside of this window of Auburn Northwestern. Well, I think you'll you'll reckon you'll recognize later in our picks that Alabama's probably going to hey, win the Natty. So, I will also say Auburn ain't winning the national title next year, buddy. There, no, they. This is not Chizik to Malzahn. I mean, this isn't eleven. Or nine to ten, right? Yeah. I mean this this ain't it. This ain't it. They ain't a Cam Newton on the roster. They ain't a Nick Fairley on the roster. 
Tech Slayer Gator Bowl, number 23, NC State versus Kentucky. I don't know. Now you're just giving me toss. Are we picking every bowl game? No, just the ones that were like involving SEC schools. Okay. I'm like, man, this is a – what does Kentucky have? Very bad defense, poor quarterback play, one-dimensional offense. Give me NC State. This is going to be – I think this could be a – this could turn out to be not a great year for SEC teams in bowl games. Well, they got stuck up against the best teams from other conferences. They put them in some really bad matchups. I agree with you. Poor quarterback plays the center of this one. Kentucky's so one-dimensional, they're going to have a hard time. So I'm going to take NC State. Outback ball, Ole Miss versus number 11, Indiana. Yeah, like, hi, Ole Miss is playing a top, you know, a top 12 team. And uh, I think they win. And I'll I think that they can score. Miss wins this game. I think they can score enough points. I really do. You're Matt Corral can either be Joe Montana or or Gardner Minshew. Like he could throw a lot of picks or be great on fire one day because they're going to throw the ball around the yard a lot. Now, I, I, Ole Miss is going to win this game. I feel confident. Lane Kiffin is going to cement his 2020 with a top 12 win. Indiana without Michael Penix Jr., their offense is dramatically different. Now, Ole Miss's defense is like wet paper mache and anything can go through it. But I still think their backup, who's now in position, his name's Tuttle. His last name's Tuttle, great name. So they went from Penix Jr. to Tuttle. I think that Indiana should still be able to score, but I think it will be slowed down just enough by the athletes on Ole Miss's team to give Matt Corral and the Ole Miss offense enough points to score to be able to win this ball game. So Ole Miss to win in the Outback Bowl. Into some of those New Year's Bowl games, PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, number 25, Oregon versus number 10, Iowa State. Uh, and Oregon, they come out, they get a shot in the Pac-12 championship game. They end up beating an undefeated USC team who lived on the edge all year. They trailed in almost every fourth quarter they played. Kevon Thibodeau was the best player on the field from start to finish. Uh, he was the number one player in the country a couple of years ago in recruiting. You know, I like Oregon. I like Mario Cristobal. Can he get consistent quarterback play? Because that's what he really missed this year coming out coming out from Justin Herbert. Quarterback still making too many mistakes. Um and this is the, to me, this is probably the battle between coaches that could have gone to Auburn. That's so true. That's so true. Now you can see I'm who you should have hired. the other side of the coin, though. I'm, I'm still riding with Matt Campbell here. I think the defense is going to be enough to slow down an Oregon offense that has been lethargic at times this year, was even lethargic in the Pac-12 title game against USC, whose defense does not jump off the paper. And I think Iowa State's ability to run the ball, I think they're going to be able to score. I like this Iowa State team a lot. I think they're a top-10 club by by all means, and Oregon barely a top 25 team. So I'll take Iowa State in that one. Capital One Orange Bowl, number five, Texas A&M versus number 13, North Carolina. The last time we looked at North Carolina, they destroyed Miami. Good offense for North Carolina, right? Mac Brown's won a lot of football games, still one of the best in the game, going back to where we're really all started for him and winning a bunch of games. I think Texas A&M, this could be – I think that this is more of a chip on their shoulder versus, oh, crap, we're not in the playoffs because I think they're coming in this one mad and they're going to prove a point in this game. Kellen Mond greatly improved. I know their offense still doesn't produce a lot of points, but the, even over the last couple games where you kind of scratch your head like they need to blow teams out, they're still dominant up front. Their offensive line is they're just so dominant. I think they win this game. I'm not confident. And even watching that Tennessee game, Tennessee hung around for a little while and Auburn hung around and, 
LSU hung around, and it's a theme for AM. They're not capable of destroying a team. They're not capable of really separating from teams Agreed. in a big way. North Carolina has got a lot of firepower on offense. They got the two fantastic wide receivers and Newsom, uh, and I, I forget the other name. And then they've got a running game that jumps off the paper. I mean, they're averaging over 500 yards a game on offense. This is like Ole Miss offense here. They can score. They can score points probably better than their basketball team can score points. Their their defense is sound too. I I think North Carolina is a better football team than Texas A&M. Texas A&M does not strike me as a top 10 football team with the way that they've played some of the middle of the pack teams in the SEC. I think this North Carolina team has righted the ship since they lost some games in the middle of the season. And I think talking about a chip on their shoulder, I think North Carolina's got the chip. Chip from what? A&M probably does too, but No, listen, it's more likely that A&M <sighs> It's more likely that A&M wins by – I would take A&M more likely to win by 10 or more than it would be for North Carolina to win by three or less. That's how that's almost how I feel about this game and how Texas A&M is going to come in. May not be a massive victory, but I'm telling you, they're, go, they're still going to be dominant up front on both lines of scrimmage. Let's see what the line is. Seven to A&M. Wow. I mean, that's that's t- if, that, if that's at College Station, it's 10, 10 and a half. Get three and a half, four points at home. All right, time for the playoff here. Let, let's we don't have to go through each one individually. Who's your just take me through what's going to happen in the college football playoff? <sighs> uh, with Landon Dickerson being out, I'm and Brent Venables. This is one of the first in the for, when Brent Venables doesn't have to prepare for the first round matchup. Like he he wins these things, right? I mean, they win it all. He can't sleep on Ohio State the the year that they beat us in um in uh. San Francisco. 16? Yeah, well, yeah, didn't they? they played like some not great teams going into those games. They played Notre Dame a couple years ago when they were able to practice for Alabama. And Dabo said it. We prepped for a, what a shot at Notre Dame that year, by the way. They pre, they prepped for Alabama for four weeks while Alabama was trying to scratch and claw its way um, into the national title game. I don't know. With Landon Dickerson out, man, I, my confidence goes way down. I think Jalen Waddle could be back for a national title game. I almost think it's a given that Alabama's in, Clemson's going to have a much tougher first-round matchup in Ohio State. However, still mad about last year. Questionable calls, players getting ejected last year that probably shouldn't have happened. They have a chip on their shoulder to go beat Clemson, especially when Tabo just ranked them 11th in the coaches' poll. I, I, and I kind of agree with Ryan Day. Like, if you give Ohio State one game to beat somebody, they're going to be very competitive. Now, they may not win that game, but they're not getting blown out, I don't think. No, I think this Ohio State team's still good. I, th- I think Ohio State's still a top four team in the country. Everybody ranking them outside the top five because of their schedule and whatnot. But I, I do still think if you just look at it, just watch college football, you know that they're probably still one of the best teams in the country in the, amongst that top four. I think they're better than Texas A&M. I think they're more capable of giving Alabama a game than A&M is and whatnot. But I like Clemson to beat Ohio State. I think there's more Agreed. offensive firepower. Something looks weird about – Justin Fields right now and how he's throwing the ball. He's making a lot of mistakes against teams like Indiana and Northwestern. And then I think Alabama is going to beat the brakes off of Notre Dame. That won't even be close. You got Alabama Clemson national championship. I'm going 48, 38 Alabama over Clemson to win the natty. I've said it for a long time. I said it early in the season, like within a week or two of the year starting. So this Alabama team is better than everybody. Only the best defenses, only the most elite defenses can hope to contain. And I don't think Clemson is in that every, category either. Every, I think Alabama's going to light it up. Every time I've picked Clemson to beat Alabama, it's come true. 
So I'm not doing that to my tide this year. Alabama's going to be, I, I picked it in 16, and I picked it in 18. They kind of felt like Clemson would win. I still was just so not sure. I'm like, I'm very sure about Alabama. But you also, you just think like, eventually you got to lose, right? I mean, you got to lose. Clemson's already done it. Notre Dame's already done it. Ohio State hasn't done it. Um, I like Alabama to win the national title, though. And if Waddle comes back, I just completely neutralizes the Landon Dickerson injury, although he's the best center first-round draft pick. Um, would have been before this injury. Now we may have to come back. I like Alabama to win it all. I don't, I'm not going to like lay a score out there. Will they score 40 on Clemson? I don't know. Maybe a 42-35. Very close game. That does it for our final episode of 2020. We'll see you on the other side, everybody. You know where to find us. God bless. Thanks for listening to On the Line, the product of Radio Alabama Sports. To follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, find Radio Alabama Sports. For more episodes and show notes, visit RadioAlabamaSports.net. 